are very welcome indeed to Happy Times and Places, which is a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast. The wheeze is simple. I get a special guest to choose a Doctor Who story. In secret, they nominate their favourite things about it. I have to watch the episodes, commentate along, and guess what those favourite things are. Hello, Toby, and listeners to Toby's podcast. My name is Ben. Like Toby, I'm a writer for Doctor Who magazine. I've also co-written a couple of books with Russell T. Davis, the writer's tale books, still available. The serial that I've chosen for you to watch is Survival. I really did struggle to whittle it down to just four. I have, for the purpose of this parlour game, so as not to break your podcast, I have um, uh, whittled it down. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks to Ben Cook, who you saw introduce, well, you saw, you heard, apologies, podcast listeners, this will become a video eventually, but if uh, you're having only the Aral experience, um, yeah, keep an eye on my YouTube channel, but uh, it will probably be some time because the videos take longer to put together and more people digest them in this uh, easier manner of just having them, uh, this, this, these golden observations poured into your ears. But uh, Benjamin Cook, uh, mover and shaker of all things young and modern and internet flavoured, and also um, an experienced interviewer and writer uh, of and about Doctor Who, uh, has added a bit of glamour to these otherwise Bicardigan. And I'm actually I'm in a cardigan and corduroy this evening. Could I mean all I need now is loafers. Uh, and uh, a, a, a slight air of defeat and uh, the image uh, I, I actually have that that last one anyway I'm trying to soldier on and be I'll get a tattoo at the end of this uh, but, but, but until then we're gonna do something that was on when I was in the grip of my youth uh, what was I 1989 I was 15 years old the oh I had hormones coursing through me. I had worries hither and thither, hope for the future. Did I? I don't know. And I, but I think, but I also had mates and it was, you know, we were doing things and we were all quite creative and we had parties and, and it seemed like life was ours because I think you feel like that when you're a teenager. I remember saying to a friend of mine, you know, a couple of years later, this is our time, you know, this is the time before we have any, responsibilities and stuff like that and yet there was so much terror around every corner peer groups and authority and you know just you know what life was going to make of us oh and if one knew now what one knew then well one probably wouldn't have had as much fun but anyway a lot of water under the bridge between then and now but this was the last episode of doctor who for quite some time although i didn't know it at the time but let's see what it has in store for us as we press play in three, two, one. And here we go. There we go. And I've got a confession to make that I alluded to last time. I'm not saying the universe revolves around me uh, like this this spinning galaxy uh, on the Sylvester McCoy title sequence. But I, I mean, I used to I wouldn't set my video for Doctor Who. I had to watch it live and I had to record it live because these were for posterity. These were going to be my recordings that would get me through the dark times because I had to watch Doctor Who over and over and over again. 
I mean, I would take my videos to teenage parties so that when it was all over or the next morning, I'd put Doctor Who on and, I don't know, hope to convert my mates. Oh, they were very... But anyway, and only a few weeks before this, I'd missed episode three of The Curse of Frederick because it was parents' evening at school and I'd made my friend, we had a grown-up friend who lived not far away, Derek, come round and record it because I didn't want to set it on the timer because... I needed a clean cut and I needed no fat in between the episodes. No, I didn't want to sully it with whatever it was, Rockcliffe's Folly. No, that was on afterwards. Uh, the one show hadn't been invented yet, but Wogan or whatever. Um, and I remember my friend came around and he did Curse of Fenric for me and he missed the first three because he didn't do what I asked him, which is what you do is you press pause and record and then you unpause and that means you get a clean cut whereas if you just press record you get a kind of blah, blah, blah. and I, well he did do that because i didn't get it, it wasn't an unclean cut but he missed the first couple of seconds of the title sequence uh and of course i got the title sequence on every single other episode but i had it in my head but what if these this is the only the last episode left you know and it's missing a few precious seconds and it could be recreated but it's not quite the same uh, it had to be that title sequence and of course actually even the versions we have now aren't that title six they're you know remastered or whatever and is 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 anyone different in different episodes of course not they're the same thing but it was that one i needed that one that's how my brain works in case you need an insight but i was in love with a girl called lizzie uh, but it was it was very much a platonic relationship it was a bit like cara and ace just to try and <laughs> uh, bring it back to what we're seeing now but but I loved this girl, but she and we were friends, and she would come and stay, but we never, we never got up to no good. Uh, but she had my heart, and and she confided in me. She had, she had troubles at home and stuff like that, and I was her sort of shoulder to cry on. So it was quite an intense relationship, but but never, never. The girls wanted to be my friend. Uh, that's a great uh, effect. Well, it's effect. It's uh, it's. Uh, it's um what are they called contact lenses but it's very well done and i like the way uh they they cut from his normal eyes and his and his cat eyes um but anyway uh, my friend lizzie phoned and she had something to i mean now i mean i remember my friend john warburton phoned up at the beginning of tooth and claw and i just picked up the phone and said doctor who's on go away and put the phone down again <laughs> um but with survival three someone came in and said is your friend lizzie on the phone I mean, she should have known not to call when Doctor Who was on. But because I'd done the record pause thing, the, the, I, it was, the title sequence was on. And I'm really edgy when Doctor Who's on. I mean, I've berated my kids for, you know, doing something out of the corner of my eye. Oh, I've been awful. Uh, so full of many regrets about how I've behaved. But on edge, because everything has to go right with Doctor Who. Everything has to be perfect. But for some reason, with this last episode... I went to my friend's aid and she chatted and offloaded and we talked and blah de blah de blah. So I missed the broadcast of this. I knew it was safe. I was recording it and I'd recorded the trailer and blah, blah, blah. everything was in place. Everything was fine. And I, and I watched it later that evening or almost immediately after. But I betrayed Doctor Who for a woman. Uh, and as a result, Doctor Who was cancelled. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my feelings on the matter. So I'm sorry, Doctor Who, because it's all my fault. But this this is really I, I, this sort of sexual awakening stuff that they're doing. I think is is really interesting storytelling. Um, you know, rare to have a female writer. 
rare to represent these sorts of things within Doctor Who and to do it, you know, using using metaphor and character. Um, and it's and it's and it's quite grown up, albeit it's somebody dressed as a teddy bear. But it's it's played with absolute sincerity and you know, I was sort of joking like a child using saying cat lesbian uh, last week. Um, but actually, you know, th th this all paves the way to, you know, when Doctor Who comes back. Because this is all done in, you know, even even the, the sort of feral kids are all sort of rather middle class. They, you know, they're, they're active, even though uh, Dave John is actually a g genuine uh, North London boy. I know that. But but it's still sort of all seen through a sheen of of acting and of drama and that's not because anyone's doing anything wrong it's the way that things were presented in those in those days um and it and it paved the way for what we have now and uh, you know we have a show that is much more representative and representation matters and is important um and i and i think sort of connecting with the people that are watching uh, and talking about their preoccupations, I think, is is you know is really interesting that this is this is the path towards towards doing that. Uh, and Lisa's great. She, you know, her, her her body language is very good. She's you know she's she's acting the part from fingers to toes, from from paw from paw to paw. Uh, and it's great that they trust. You know, you've got you've got a companion you can do this stuff with, um, and she's she's great at showing the the turmoil, and he's uh, and 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 he's very good at the the sort of dark melancholy that he brings to the part, which is odd because he's also a clown, a very adept clown, um, and I really like this relationship that they have um, because you know he's very comforting there. But actually, he's also very dark and very manipulative. It's 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 not an easy, it's not an easy morality there in the way that that he he sort of man, he looks after her, but he's also manipulating her. Um, and I remember I, one of my drama teachers who'd watched the Curse of Fenric saying when he sort of talked about her being an emotional cripple and all of that sort of stuff. He said, "This is this is quite powerful stuff." Uh, and that always made me feel good when a when a teacher uh, said a thing. Um, but yes, this is this is. I'm I'm glad they all make it. I sort of expected Derek to sort of die, maybe, but uh, quite glad he makes it back. Um, and you know, for 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 Doctor Who of the time. Just having a character who is played by uh, an actress of colour, you know, seemed seemed like a breakthrough. Seemed like a, a step, a momentum, a step forward into the future, and uh, and quite right too. Um, but you know, as a young liberal at the time, you know, this was like this was oh, this is you know, this is really, this is a, a really important aspect of this, and it and it absolutely is. Um, and and yet it's still there are still arguments had aren't there when you see you only you know 
you only have to see a, a black policewoman in something, and there's usually somebody on Twitter going, "Oh, what, why is the you know why does the policewoman have to be black?" Uh, and so it, it just actually underlines the the importance of uh, again of representation on screen, um, because there are still some people who think that they are the norm, and anything other than that is some sort of aberration or imposition. Um, but uh, but it's uh, and, and that's it for Derek, isn't it, Derek? I think Derek and Shreela. And now D uh, Dave John, who's a lovely fella, um, uh, is Sylvester is the god no, is the godfather to his children, or the other way around. Dave is the godfather to one of Sylvester's kids, but they're great mates. They'd done they'd done work together before. I think Sylvester got Dave the job, which is nice because that doesn't happen as often as you'd think. Um, you know, you've got a mate in a thing and they suggest you for it. I'm still waiting. Well, uh, yeah, but that it doesn't happen as often as you'd think. Um, uh, oh, yes, and of course they're... Um, uh, oh, yeah, so he's got to nick the bike. This is why he got the part, actually, because... Well, not the only reason, but um, they needed somebody who could ride a bike. And he'd... I think he'd auditioned for a casualty which I think Paul Reynolds got the job in the end. It's a casualty episode that Christopher Benjamin's in that Alan Waring had directed, and he didn't get it, but then he did get he did get this one. Um, oh, another dead cat teddy bear. But this feels really immediate. That's, that's not great, is it? I mean, I, again, I mean, quite kudos to them for going, let's try and do a scene where there's a disemboweled cat. Um this is Adele Silver, from who I'm delighted is on the DVD of this, uh, who went on to be a, a major star in Emmerdale. Uh, squeak, um, and I was, and, and they brought her, and she was, I think she was quite. I remember on the DVD commentary. Oh, on the on the DVD documentary, and and the DVD commentary for this is actually a delight because they have. Um, Clayton Hickman and some fans, they do a fan commentary, which to me at the time was the idea, fans being involved, I don't want to hear fans, and, and a moderator, oh god, I thought that was, I just want to hear from the people that were on it, and actually I then listened to it, and, and they're very funny about about these tough gym guys who are anything but, and um, <laughs> and Clayton Hickman's very funny on it, and they're, and they're, it's, they're all, it's a, it's a nice, they're a nice bunch on it, uh, and I remember going why why didn't i want fans on on a commentary it's a perfectly legitimate uh thing to do especially as it's not replacing another culture and i had great fun it and i've i've since met at least one of those uh fans um but yeah that i, I still had when so when this came out on dvd i still had a certain amount of self-loathing i didn't know fans aren't legitimate of course they are um so and it was really all about myself don't worry um, the, you know the fan experience of the show is is, is is I actually really like hearing about now what what you know what people were going through when they saw a story or how it connected to them. I love that bit with Ace going down and the and the eyes and the kid going bad Catman. I think that's really that's really evocative and effective. Look at that camera angle. That's just really nicely shot through the glass and from slightly underneath. So he's leering over it. Um, and her going down on her knees and coming up, and and look at that backdrop. It's quite a you know it's quite a grim, grim backdrop. This <laughs> and 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 yeah, they they do look a bit like they're doing a warm up for a 
uh, act one of uh, West Side Story rather than doing boxing and karate. Uh, and he looks like um, the fo- somebody's tried to make the Fonz out of the 1980s. But he's got a great face. Again, he's good cast because he's got a great face for it. And I... And I, I love the one that points. Yeah, <laughs> I got a bit of business, you know. Uh, they asked, uh, they asked me to point, um, but they do look like they should. They, 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 they should be on top of the pops, don't they? These boys. <laughs> oh, and poor old Patterson. And I, I remember complaining that I thought Patterson had an ignominious death, and my mum corrected me and going, "It's ignominious." Uh, his, the look on his face is great there. Uh, yeah, he, did, he, did, he, you know, you get the real sense of of fear from Patterson here in his, in his final moments, and this is pretty grim. Uh, it dispenses with its supporting cast fairly quickly, so uh, you've lost Sheila and and Derek, who've just gone home. Um, it's quite an odd odd thing to happen, really, isn't it? And and Patterson's been killed. Uh, and I like the fact that 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 line could be delivered quite harshly. You know, I think Tom Baker would have been fairly dismissive when I I never quite liked it when he's like that. Although I do appreciate the the alienness of it can can be very effective. But I I think the Doctor should always be a little sad if someone's died. And 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 you know, there's so much for the SAS course delivery there. Sylvester had a sort of grim melancholy about him that I liked. Uh, oh, well done that, because because that, that that she didn't have to blink then. The the, the eye came and went, um, and this feels to me now, now that I know what I know, you know this this is this is I know where Doctor Who ends, and that's great. Look at that, that's fantastic. Even though the kids from, from Fame are flanking the, the motorbike funds, <laughs> but but I lo- it doesn't matter I like it I like it I've, that it's only just occurred to me that it's the kids from fame flanking motorbike funds it's a slightly wobbly tooth that but um, I love the fact that of course uh, yeah Ace, Ace needs to fight and Dominic Glynn's with it as well um, and th- I think this is amazing this bit it's it's uh, the, the payoff is is reprehensible but I love this bit because uh, it's fantastic and it's really uh you know how the hell are they going to get out of this? What's happening here? What's oh? Uh, and the doctors, you know, replaced Ace because she must not fight because of what will happen to her. And this, you go, what on earth? What? What? That's amazing. The two motorbikes have crashed into each other and exploded. Uh, and I, I mean, you didn't see either man blown clear. You just saw the explosion. Uh, and and you know this is the this shows the harsh harshness of the policy and I but I do quite like the the, the masters you know the, the the masters sort of care for Midge in a way it's 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 a, it's a totally um, uh, practical uh, and uh, pragmatic a, a arrangement but I like his you know the goodbye and all of that sort of thing the slightly sort of um, you know, it's not paternalistic. It's a it's a man in charge of his his, his creature, uh, and, and I like the fact that he shows in his own way a little bit of sort of reaction to the to the death of uh, uh, Midge. 
he's not, he's not sad about it, but uh, he's uh, he acknowledges Midge's good behaviour. Um, and this is, uh, I mean, again, she's going to be killed by a dance troupe, but um, <laughs> but here comes Lisa Bowerman, uh, who does not know what she's let herself in for. Um, uh, and, and she's been a great servant to Doctor Who via the big finishes, and she's great in... Uh, 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 although, and she's directed a f few as well. Very, very, uh, I think, very, very highly of Lisa Bowman. And but I like her costume. Um, um, but yes, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm feeling quite, quite sort of emotional about this now because this is this plane, this this hilltop or wherever it is. This is where I know Doctor Who ends. Um, uh, but we didn't at the time. Oh no, because actually the story hasn't ended yet. It goes away a little bit first, because um, he he fights the master in the car park. And I and I think the trailer for this had 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 the the, the master and the doctor fighting in the fire. So I knew there was still a bit to come. Um, do you bleed? <laughs> Very good. Uh, Oh, but this is so because he's gonna kill her, and this is awful um, and really sad. Um, oh dear. Oh, and good, good cat noises. He's so horrible, the master. Uh, but he is like a cat. Um, but unfortunately, this is where it gets because there's been no setup of this. Sylvester does like sticking his bum in the air. Um, uh, it's not one of his finest qualities. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, there's there's no attempt to explain what has happened there. What's supposed to have happened is that the what the bikes crashed into each other and Midge was flown one way and the Doctor was flung over there and landed on the sofa. It's, I mean, it's 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 quite often in. 80s Doctor Who, you'd be really willing a story to work and not to have a moment that you'd have to then justify to your friends at school the next day. And quite often, I, did, I had a whole thing in one of my shows about um, uh, about the giant rat. Uh, there the, the, was always one element of a Doctor Who story that that spoilt it. <laughs> There's always just the spectre of disappointment. I'm glad we got to see Lisa Bowman's face. That's not her hair, though. Um, that's a wig. But I'm glad we got to see Lisa Bowman's face. And as I say, I remember being really excited she was in it because she'd been a regular in Casualty. I never thought that one day I'd meet her. How exciting. Um, and and I think, you know, this 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 is this is a great showdown. I think it's really well done. There's a real simmering power are you frightened yet to, to Ainley? And, and you know, McCoy really knows how to stand up against despotism. He's, he's you know, for all that bird-like melancholy that he has and that, that clowning, he, you know, he's holding the stare here. He, he, he's, he's, you know, he's prepared to really dig deep for that authority. Um, I think this, and I think this is great. This really feels like, even though, we weren't to know it. If, if this had been the end of Doctor Who, even though it's a sort of three-parter set largely on the streets of Monday London, it, it does feel, I think, you know, I, I think it is a, a, a fitting end 
to the show because partially because of this you know if we fight like animals we die like animals you know that that takes us uh, uh, well in, in fact and the doctor nearly kills the master as Tsar uh, uh, kills Cal in, uh, in, uh, in in the very first story but you know but this this whole thing about um, you know whether whether we should fight although it's a complex morality of course because uh, you know you should you, you should fight for what you, be, you what you believe in and sometimes you're given no choice but to fight so I'm no you know I'm no uh, I'm no simplistic peacenik who you know who just goes oh well if, if you know, because because sometimes you know you do have to I'm afraid you do have to arm yourselves against tyranny um, and that's you know I'm more pragmatic about that than I probably was when I watched this when uh, the world I lived in was much simpler um, now this Michelle Martin was for many years uh, there was a there was a rumor amongst those of us who look for Doctor Who actors that that she died but um, I, I believe that's not the case now and somebody's found her um, playing neighbor um, but uh, yes so whilst I am peacefully inclined I think uh, you know unquestioning pacifism is fine until somebody tries to invade your country do you know what I mean um, I still would always prefer and advocate a more peaceful solution than a fighty one so that's why this this you know the message of this I think is important but I think you know I think Doctor Who itself acknowledges that in sometimes the Doctor's actions that you know the Doctor is not somebody who doesn't always fight but I think but I think t bringing us back to present day London uh, with a with an interesting teenager uh, and and you know the subtext of what this what this story talks about uh, is 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 a fit it's a fitting but that and the very first Doctor Who story, I think, are, are bookends that, that that match, you know, despite the passage of time and change in technology and change in personnel and change in ways of storytelling. I, I, we, if, if if just looking at Doctor Who's history fitting together and the way that it leads into the Russell T Davis iteration of Doctor Who, I think it's actually for a program that's higgledy piddledy and. Uh, like crazy paving um is is a nice fit and the fact that they had time to do this nicely written coda um and go up and finish doctor who Ooh. <laughs> it's i know i know it's because the loss of doctor who was big uh for me and i was so angry about it for so many years but I suppose, I suppose, watching it now, it's a little. I, I'm, you know, my love for Doctor Who is genuine, and 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 it's got me through a lot of very difficult times, and I and I love it even for its faults, even for its bits that don't work. Uh, and I think I've learned over the years to be a bit less angry about the things that disappoint me about it. But it was only an anger based on fear 
It was, a, it was an anger based on worry that it would be snatched away ever since the hiatus. Doctor Who seemed to be always on the verge of being snatched away and it had gone from being a programme that everybody watched and everybody talked about and everyone was in awe of to being a bit of a national joke, not, not just you know amongst my peers, but in, in the way that was talked about on television, even by the corporation that made it. There was this sort of arrogant rejection and ignorance about its past and about its achievements and about you know the uh, what what an achievement it was and what a what a worldwide reach it had uh, and the injustice of that it made me so furious but of course that was a a, 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 a mirror of, of of perhaps other things going on uh, in my life and so the fact that doctor who stopped was was a great injustice to me as well it was the injustice of it i think that that informed much of my sort of younger life and I look back now and wish that I'd perhaps been able to compartmentalise things a bit better um, but I I love Doctor Who and I'm so glad it came back and there was times when I, there were times when I never thought it would but you know I can now also look at that and go well that was uh, in, in terms of where Doctor Who stopped it could have just stopped any old any old how do you know what I mean I think there's at least a vague although hastily cobbled together at the last minute sense of occasion and 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 sense of ending and I and I think you know what what Andrew Cartmel brought to that that era of the show and what that doctor and companion relationship did I think was really interesting um, and of course, it led to things in the new adventures as as, as well. That that uh, the, you know, a lot of the aspects of that and those characters got a, a new and different lease of life. Um, so well done, survival. Well done. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> What's my favourite bit about episode three of survival? Um. Well, I think that, I think that when all is said and done, it's a fitting and decent end. And it gets that coda, it gets that little speech from the Doctor that is very, very sweet and mercurial and offbeat and yet sort of says, this is a little bit special. But talking about things that people don't really understand. Uh, and that's, you know. Its specialness is that it, it Doctor Who exists in a universe and a world all of its own. It's a stupid programme. If you broke it down to what it is about an alien travelling through space and time in a police box that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, what a stupid sounding idea. And yet it, crea it, it contains such magic. It contains vim and vigour and adventure and imagination and all sorts of possibilities. It does, I think, have a liberal streak through it, at least, uh, you know, about... Uh, 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 about not uh, uh, and, and that's sometimes you, you, you know, I mean you can make the case that actually it's about saying anything anything different is a scary thing that's bad for you but I think but I think because of the nature of the people who've write it, written it and the people who've created it um, that through all the trappings of the action and adventures and the need for jeopardy and the need for baddies that the way it goes about its business I think as, as a decency and a fairness and an imagination about it um and a sense of fun and a sense of energy and a sense of humour. And it's and it's made up of all sorts of different things that you don't get anywhere else. I don't think you do. Um, 
and 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 tied in with that with the nostalgia with the fact that it for for people of my age and older and a, and a few younger not quite so many you know it's it's it was threaded into the dna of our formative years of our growing up and when the world is as scary as it's ever going to be but also has as many possibilities and that's what doctor who is doctor who is childhood the world is scary but it's also wondrous but it's also uncertain and you know the future is ahead of you and at your fingertips i love doctor who i really do i really do well you couldn't i couldn't have spent so much time <laughs> so much time uh thinking about it and doing things about it if i didn't i guess but i'm not ashamed and it's not and as i say it's not for all my talk of you know the childish jokes i might have done during this which i apologize i don't do them very often um I don't, you know i don't look at it askance i'm not i'm not i'm not lofty and disdainful about it going i like it because it's so rubbish or any of that no i like it because it's great i have to acknowledge that sometimes bits don't work but my god do you know how hard it is to write an episode of doctor who it's hard getting all that getting the requisite amount of adventure exposition explaining your new world explaining your new aliens explaining what the threat is putting those all into a story with characters that maybe as well has metaphor and subtext and all of that sort of thing and still making an adventure that makes sense which has highs and lows and in certain cases you know um a climax every uh, uh, every 25 minutes or, or whenever it is um and to make it multi-camera on videotape uh in the way that soap operas are made you know not you know it's not a film oh and to retain that sense of charm and strangeness and that that indefinable magic yeah i love doctor who and i, I presume you do too and i know ben cook does but what does he love about survival oh i know because i need to say what i love about survival three and my bonus thing well no i mean my th my thing is that that was the end of doctor who and i think it's as and actually if they'd had more build up they might have done something huge and cataclysmic and i actually quite like the fact that because it was uh it was only rest he was only resting in the end uh the note on which it ended i th i think I think was as good as we could have hoped for. Um, and my thing, my thing all over, I, it has to be Alan Waring. I think he's such a good director. Uh, I really think his direction is a, is a, is a high point of, of this period of Doctor Who. Um, I think he composes pictures well. I think he, he, he casts with great sensitivity, um, gets good performances, um, but but he's got such a good eye and such a good sense of pace um and i really think he he, he does everything possible to to make those those episodes look look better than whatever else is on telly at the time whilst not having the requisite resources so those are my two things they won't be ben cooks i've already lost this one um but you know Nothing is lost forever. <laughs> so my favourite thing about part three of Survival, and I know this is an obvious choice, 
I'm sorry, but not that sorry, because it's the Doctor and Ace, Sylvester and Sophie, who, when I was 12 years old, were my favourite Doctor and companion. Individually, they are amazing, but together there is something just exquisite. Not just chemistry, but alchemy. I loved them when I was 12 years old, and I love them um, today. My bonus um, favourite thing is... I, I, I am struck every time I watch Survival by how perfect it is as not just a season finale, but as a finale to all of Doctor Who. Had John Nathan Turner and Andrew Cartmel known it was going to be the last Doctor Who serial for God knows how long, and they, they maybe had an inkling, I think, but, but they didn't know for sure, they would have made very different choices. In fact, any production team before or since tasked with having to finish off Doctor Who would have gone for some grand finale. They would, you know, imagine a, what Russell or Stephen or Chris would have done. The Doctor returning to Gallup. It would have been like Lung Barrow, essentially, or Daleks versus Cybermen. And, and instead, what we get is survival, which is so much more um, understated and, and beautiful and works as a final Doctor Who story. We talked about the time and place in which it is set, returning to modern-day London for one of the first times since the very first Doctor episode, An Unearthly Child, but also tonally and thematically, as poncy as it sounds, de dealing with, you know, survival for a show that, that was about to be off-air for, for the best part of, you know, 16 years and yet survived. Dealing with children who go missing, lost youth, the, the, the way we remember or, or, or forget the people and the things that we love. I think what I'm trying to say is that if anyone had planned a finale to the first 26 years of Doctor Who, survival wouldn't have been it. And yet survival works all the better as a finale to all of Doctor Who um, by the fact that it didn't know that's what it was going to be. Even, and I'll stop talking in a minute, Toby, I promise, even that final speech, there were worlds out there with the skies burning, wouldn't have worked as well had it been dubbed onto the end of The Greatest Show in the Galaxy or been delivered by the Sixth Doctor at the end of The, of the Trial of a Time Lord or if Revelation of the Daleks had ended up being the final Doctor Who story and it very nearly was, you couldn't have ended with the worlds out there with the sky. You know, you, you, just, you just couldn't. And yet with survival, you could, and it works perfectly. To paraphrase an old Gary Gillett DWM article, survival is almost enough to make you believe in the existence of God. So for all those <laughs> reasons and hundreds more, I love survival. Um, and I love you, Toby. I think you're brilliant. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast. Um, I hope I haven't talked too much. Stay safe. I should probably end with if we fight like animals, we'll die like animals. I should get down on my knees, except it's going to be out of shot and I've got the camera precariously balanced on top of several books and a laundry basket. So I won't do that. But goodbye. 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 Oh, I'm, I'm flattered that Ben even knows who I am. Um... Yes, uh, and bless me uh, again if you're just uh, on the audio of this. Uh, ben edited in two pictures of himself as a twelve-year-old with Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred, which I just adore. Um, thanks to him, and yes, he's quite right, and and we are actually in accord. So I get a point for this because we both said because it was the finale of Doc Two, but I think we both sort of stumbled across the same reasons as well. That actually it's a great finale because it wasn't planned as a finale. And and again they got an inkling towards the end and that's that speech was bunged on. But the the story wasn't built around being a finale. And yet uh 
but by accident, uh, it, it somehow seems just so appropriate and apposite. And but also, it's a it's a great foreshadowing of of uh, of what was to come. Interestingly, that it's it's yeah, it's almost become by a curious, weird osmosis this this uh, this bridge between the classic and the and and the new the new Doctor Who. Um, and I and it's matured. I I as I say, I I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay. It was not a story I disliked uh, at the time, but it was not. You know, I was doing cartwheels over the Curse of Fenric, uh, which I think is a great story. Uh, but it's much more traditional, actually, Curse. Um, but I'm not. I'm saying nothing to, to, to dismiss Curse, as you'll find when I do it for this. I will find it very easy to eulogise and don't interrupt me while I'm doing so. Uh, the curse of Fenric, but I, I, I'm, I quite, I'm quite moved by what survival is and what it represents, and, and actually that the intent behind it, you know, what what Andrew Cartmel was trying to do with Doctor and what the whole production team were doing, it 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 was actually quite modern and forward thinking for for the time as well. Um, the television landscape then was very different different from now um yeah and I, and it's t it's opened up quite a few quite a few little memories and emotions that uh, i'd maybe had locked away and obviously a lot of time passed a lot of time has passed since then and now um and a lot of connections you know funny that uh, you know will barton was there Actually, at another great crossroads in my when I interviewed him, as I say, it was my it was my last day in that London flat, and then I was who's round is something I did as I was going through a uh, you know the end of a relationship and a and a divorce, and so I sort of associate Will with that with with another with another end of an era <laughs> many years later that in, that involved a woman, <laughs> uh, so maybe survival. Maybe survival is always the uh, the crossroads between me and to, into a rather sad and difficult time from which I eventually emerge and survive. So God, I hope. Oh dear, I hope. I hope watching it now hasn't <laughs> doesn't. I hope something awful doesn't happen uh, tomorrow or in the next few weeks. Well, if it does, this is why it's ruined survival. It's cursed for me. It's cursed, I tell you. But the lesson is, of course, through both of those things. Um, you, you know, you have to keep going, uh, and uh, and Doctor Who has always helped me to 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 keep going through those dark, through those dark times. Uh, I wonder how Lizzie is. Uh, I've seen her a few times since. I think she's happy. Um, how funny. Anyway. Let's not get self-indulgent. Uh, if 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 we can get less self-indulgent than a man talking <laughs> very personally about his reactions to uh, an episode of Doctor Who, but that's what you're signed up for, folks. I hope that whatever memories survival prompts in you are happy ones. But I think that's the appeal of Doctor Who, isn't it? It's not just that we watch it; it's that when we watch it, we remember. We remember where we were. We remember who we were, what we were thinking. And as time, which it does, moves on, it keeps those things alive. So as we travel inexorably, sadly, only in one direction, 
and I find that quite scary at 48 thinking of something being relatively recent because it's an episode of Doctor Who I watched when I was 15 good god so it's yeah well let's let's not go there but as we travel in time in only one direction Doctor Who has little stop off points for us uh to happy times and happy places and sometimes you only realize they were happy when you look back on them and go oh I, sh I should have appreciated them for what they are or I shouldn't have been so scared it was all right or I shouldn't have been so angry that's not the way to deal with life yeah it's I think Doctor Who makes us look back doesn't it and uh and as we look because we look back and we we remember how we felt and what we thought then it gives us a sort of perspective and I hope therefore a bit of bit of happiness um where otherwise there might not be any i might just be talking about myself here you might all be very cheerful people who just watch doctor Who and quite enjoy it so sorry about that uh my thanks to benjamin cook who uh who, who great who, who who uh flatters me by his presence on this do check out the writer's tale if you haven't it's an absolutely brilliant book on doctor who and i'm sure as long as there is doctor who there will be benjamin cook uh chronicling it and uh uh, also prospering outside of the world of Doc 2 so good for him uh, and thanks to him and uh, thanks to you for listening um, and uh, we will survive <laughs> take care thank you ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places which is presented by me Toby Haydock my special guest this time around is Benjamin Cook. Do check him out on Twitter at Benjamin underscore Cook. And I'd also like to thank all of the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Andy Case, John Curley, Mark Dakin, John Ellidge, Sam Esterem, Gary Gillett, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, David Green, Fraser Gregory, Dave Hoskin, Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, Ashley Knight, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, David Matthewman, John McClay, Ross McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Matthew Newton, Dave Owen, Melvin Pena, Keith Perry, Jonathan Potter, Kevin Parker, Richie, Dylan Rees, John Rivers, Mark Sandham, Jim Sangster, Matt Sawyer and Keith Say. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, I just ran out of time to say, and Stephen Smith, a.k.a. Dalek fan. That's my favourite patron name at the moment. I wish more patrons had an a.k.a. name because you can really have fun with those. Uh, just saying them. It's much it's much more fun to say Stephen Smith, a.k.a. Dalek fan than Stephen Smith. Do you know what I mean? Um, so And to the extent there that actually Stephen has then just had two mentions. You mean Stephen Smith, a.k.a. Dalek fan? Love it. So uh, if you are a patron or if you want to become a patron, uh, as, as well as getting bonus material and advance releases, you'd have heard this podcast six months earlier if you'd been a patron, uh, and some exclusives, as I say, and, and special access and all sorts of other things, you can do that. Uh, at three pounds a month and you can also get an aka added to your name if you so desire uh three pounds a month is the lowest tier and that gets you most things it's it's fairly you know most things are available at entry level or there are the odd trinket to uh, lure you further up the ladder but you also get a 10 percent discount on any 
on any of the tiers if you sign up for a year in one go. But I know times are tough and I know a monthly commitment can be daunting. So there is Kofi where you can uh, make a one-off donation if you think I sound like I need some caffeine or nourishment or just a boost, uh, a metaphorical or actual chocolate bar. Um, and that's at uh, kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But I know times are difficult and I know that, uh, you know, I listen to loads of podcasts for free. And that's the nature of the beast. I am grateful to the listeners. I'm constantly flabbergasted uh, by uh, the amount of people that take their time to listen to my ramblings. And I'm really grateful. But if you like them and you think other people would like them, please give them a five star review on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And Pax, take a little bit of time and trouble to write something nice about what you think about them there and indeed on social media, because it just helps to spread the word in a very crowded marketplace. Thank you ever so much. I'm also a comedian. You can go to twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey to find out all about my comedy club, which is every week in Manchester uh, on a Tuesday night at 8pm at the Breadshed in Manchester. But uh, the Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey, uh, has a monthly show on the first Sunday of every month at 8pm GMT. Uh, but there's also all the time up there are clips from the various shows we did during lockdown featuring all sorts of brilliant comics from around the world. And it's a fantastic not-for-profit comedy club that's been running for nearly 25 years now. And actually during uh, recent months we've had on, on our live stage Joe Lysett, Nish Kumar and many more. And we support grassroots comedy too. So if you like that sort of thing, do again check that out. We don't have an advertising budget or anything, so spreading the word also helps. Thank you. worlds out there where the sky is burning, where the seas are asleep and the rivers dream. People made of smoke and cities made of song. Somewhere there's danger. Somewhere there's injustice. And somewhere else the tea's getting cold. I love you, Doctor Who. I really do. I don't care who knows it.